Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, get started today. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of the Miller Frost Show. Hope you all are having a great weekend so far. I know I am here because, hey, I get to do another podcast, which is always fun for me. And who am I? I am your host, Miller Frost, and I am here, as always, with white boy Malcolm X, my dear friend. I'll throw that in again. So remember, if you want to get hold of me, a couple ways to do that. You can uh, reach me by email, and that is miller at millerfrostonline.com. And I also have a Twitter handle, and let me see if I can get this correct this time. It is at Miller Frost Show. Two choices there. And um, by the way, I've, I've got a YouTube page, and I'm putting some show clips up there. Um, no video, but it's just the audio. But I've got two of them up there from last week. I got one on that... Uh, that female kicker and the crying boys at whatever that college was, and then uh, the adventures of Bud Light Mike from uh, from Wednesday's show as well. And you know what, White Boy Malcolm X, I did say that if I didn't have anything to top Bud Light Mike, we shouldn't even probably do a show. And I'm just warning you folks, if you came here looking for another Bud Light Mike, I don't have it. I'll be, I'll be very honest with you. I'll be very upfront. I don't have it. But I do have some good stuff in the pile. I don't know if we're going to get to it all, but we do uh, we do have some entertaining news for you, and that's that's the purpose of the Miller Frost Show. It's just kind of hanging out and kind of reading some crazy news stories and, and laughing and having some fun and enjoying ourselves because um, let's face it, there's not a lot of joy joy out there, even if it is the joyous season. Are, are you joyful today, White Boy Malcolm X? Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. He's like, as as good as I can be. So I, I hear you there, sir. I hear you there. And yes, yes, sir, I do have I do have the gay stuff first. And I am already, already getting agitated, and I'm going to slam my head into this desk. Man, why did I put this story first, White Boy Malcolm X? This is from Today, and as in the Today Show. And here's the headline. Here, I'm just... Banging my head into the desk with this one. Sam Smith responds to Sean Mendez after he apologizes for using wrong pronoun. God. Speaking of Sean Mendez, uh, random aside, White Boy Malcolm X. Folks, sometimes I'll watch, um, and he knows this, but I'll, I'll sometimes just, you know, after I watch a movie or some shows, I just want to kind of veg out. I'll put YouTube on and just kind of watch music videos. And it's kind of fun. Sometimes, like a couple weeks ago, I went on this like 80s kick and I was watching some of these... <laughs> 80s music videos which were really bad at the time and things like that so I just kind of do things futz around like that uh, as I wind down my evening and um, YouTube man they are all over this recommending this um, this Shawn Mendes Justin Bieber 
song. I forgot what it's called, but it was like, that's the sign of the apocalypse. Like, I want to watch that garbage. But anyway, that's just random aside. Sean Mendez and Justin Bieber. God, those two stupid Canadians have done a music video together. I mean, either of them on their own is like like being, torturing a cat. That's what it sounds like. But I, I can't imagine my ears, how much blood would come out of my ears if I had to listen to no, no, seriously, I did, I did not hit play on that. I do not want that on my list. You can do that, sir, and you can report back to me. So let's dig in, and with Sam, Sam has decided that he wants to go by his own pronouns. He has, he's one of these funky pronoun people I talk about. So I guess Sean didn't use the right pronouns. Let's find out more about this little drama circle. Sean Mendez made a mistake when introducing Grammy-winning singer and songwriter Sam Smith at Thursday's iHeartRadio Jingle Ball and immediately offered a heartfelt apology. Mendez accidentally misgendered Smith, calling the singer he instead of they during an introduction on the show. And I would argue he did not misgender Smith at all. Sam, stop it. Just stop it already. God, you are a man. Unless you got the hardware changed out down there, you are a man. So this they crap is just enough. Enough of it. Fans called out Mendez22 on his mistake, pointing out that Smith's preferred pronouns are listed in their social media bio. In March 2019, and this is just to give you a little history, folks, Smith28 told actor and activist Jamila Jamal, I am not male or female. I think I float somewhere in between. That's just me slamming my head into the desk. Then, in September 2019, Smith came out as non-binary on Instagram, telling their fans and followers that their pronouns are they, them. I'm done. I'm done. I just... I, this whole thing. It's just Sam. Just I, I swear to God. Just You are not that important, sir. You are just... Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And you and your stupid, funky pronouns. I'm tired of having to, like, memorize who goes by what pronouns. I I don't know. How. Stop it. I just, I can't imagine. Imagine being that self-centered that I got to, like, change all that stuff around. Anyway, let's just go away from that. Oh, man. Ugh. More banging my head into a desk. This is a Breitbart story, and here's the headline on this. Deborah Messing loves gay insult at Trump. I hope you become the most popular boyfriend in prison. Will and Grace star and LGBTQ advocate Deborah Messing aimed a gay insult at President Donald Trump in a recent tweet, saying that she hopes he goes to jail where he will become the most popular boyfriend among the inmates. Well, I guess that is theoretically possible. You know who the most popular inmate with the jail guards is, though, and that is the Tiger Queen. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, well, first you should listen to the podcast. But we had a story, I think it was about two months ago, he was claiming that he was, like, uh, being raped by the prison guards. And, of course, the comment I made was, of all the people in prison, if I were a prison guard and inclined to rape, that would be the last thing I would rape, would be the Tiger Queen. But apparently there's a bunch of fetishists. <laughs> guards down in Florida, of course it's Florida, but uh, who uh, I like like to use him as a as a whatever. But let's pick this back up on Deborah Messing. Deborah Messing also gushed over German Chancellor Angela Merkel, 
praising her lockdown policies as Germany faces surging coronavirus cases. So apparently Deborah Messing is a COVID Karen. In a recent tweet, the Emmy award-winning Hollywood star described President Trump as weak, scared, stupid, inept, negligent, vindictive, narcissistic, criminal. Speaking of vindictive, she added, I hope you live a long life in prison where you become the most popular boyfriend to all the inmates. Man, man, man. White boy Malcolm X, what is her freaking problem? God, she is one angry chick. And I I guess this is what you do when um, when your career is kind of on the uh, the downward sl- spiral there. And she's got to get in the good graces with, uh, with the folks. So she goes out and does all this kind of activist stuff. So, Deborah, if you're listening... You just need to settle down out there. Just settle down. It'll be okay, honey. It'll be okay. Speaking of needing to settle down, this is from Queerty, and here's this headline. Homophobic American Family Association targets the degenerates at Ritz Crackers. Well, they're not the best crackers, I would have to say, but I didn't know there were a bunch of degenerates, but let's find out more. Never one to pass up the opportunity to embarrass itself with a bit of hysteria, the noted homophobes of the American Family Association have targeted yet another inclusive ad, this time a commercial for Ritz crackers. Yahoo News reports that the new commercial for Ritz, entitled Where There's Love, There's Family, drew the ire of the AFA for showing two men in an affectionate relationship together over the holidays while enjoying Ritz crackers, of course. One of the men in question wears makeup. And the commercial implies he is genderqueer. The ad God. <laughs> That's how you sell crackers. Okay. Not that I agree with the American Family Association having a, a hissy fit over this, but, you know, jeez. The ad launched last month and won the praise of GLAAD, with President Sarah Kate Ellis praising the commercial as a powerful example of how brands and media can step up and tell LGBTQ stories, not just during Pride Month, but all year round. And White Boy Malcolm X, did you know that Glad had a female run in the show over there? So that is, I think, the second largest professional gay organization after the, um, uh, what is it, Human Rights Campaign. I think there's a second biggest, but they are being run by a, a I don't know, is it a lesbian? Well, yes, a guy, it's a trans. It could be a trans woman, so that's that's true, too. I don't know, what's, I don't know what Sarah is. I don't know how she identifies. She does not have her. She doesn't have her pronouns listed, so I don't know what the hell she is. But Ritz crackers, folks, are doing showing that. Anyway, let's continue. The AFA had a very different reaction. The group has now launched a petition to have the ad pulled, which at the time of this writing had netted fifty thousand signatures. Ritz crackers is attempting to normalize the transgender lifestyle by airing a commercial that has absolutely nothing to do with selling crackers. The petition notes the company's most recent ad features a man putting on lipstick like a woman and effeminately clinging to another man. (laughs) I gotta see this commercial. To brainwash children and adults alike by desensitizing audiences. The company's goal is to redefine family as something other than God's biblical design for gender and sexuality, the petition continues. In its own words, Ritz says, we're encouraging people to rethink what it means to be family. Man. If you are listening from the American Family Association... You know, it's just a crappy cracker. I mean, it's just kind of over-processed garbage. (laughs) 
and just let them virtue signal. If it makes them feel better, you know, just let, let that go. That is not like I told that stupid little queen uh, with the nail polish at the high school. This is not the hill to die on. <laughs> Who cares? Man. This is from Tow Road. And here's the headline on this. Big Brother contestant Zach Rance comes out as bisexual, reveals his showmance with Frankie Grande was a real romance. Ugh. What do you think of him, White Boy Malcolm X? Yeah, so sorry. We don't care. And Big Brother, folks, if I remember correctly, we had a story about a month, month and a half ago. It was in the race pile, and it was about how the folks at CBS are going to start uh, increasing minority participation in these shows. And I made a comment at the time that the only reason you see mostly white people in there is because they're the only folks who have absolutely no self-respect and will I'll be willing to go on and humiliate themselves in these sort of reality shows. And the, but the minority folks were a little bit smarter about this and they just didn't want nothing to do with embarrassing themselves on these type of shows. But now they're going to get dragged into it. Maybe Zach wants to continue in the reality circuit, so he probably thought he comes out as kind of dilly-dallying with men that they might consider that a diversity quotient and let him continue. But let's find out a little bit more about Zach Rance. Zach Rance, the Big Brother contestant who titillated audience during season 16 with his affectionate friendship with fellow contestant and brother of Ariana, Frankie Grande. I didn't know she had a brother, and he likes to diddle men has come out as bisexual. Rance came out in an online conversation with the Mental Health Collection and with Love, Alexa. And I have no idea if that's one show or two. Said Rance, I've been straight my entire life. I've only liked women, but on Big Brother, Frankie and I got super, super close. I bet you boys did. I fell in love with who he is as a person. Super funny, super smart, good-looking guy. As time went on, we got so close that I wasn't really sure if I had feelings for him or not. You know, I've always been straight, so it was never a thing to like guys. But after the show happened, him and I did have a relationship that was more than just friends. And he was the first guy that I ever hooked up with. After that night, I was very unsure about the direction of my sexuality because I like women. And after we hooked up, I was very uncertain about what's my next move. White Boy Malcolm X, do you want to hear any more of this? You do. Okay, you asked for it. My ears are starting to bleed. I'm going to put my head in the desk again. We try not to label anything. You know, gender is super fluid, rants continue. God, it's that. It's this crap again. So it's, it's like, folks, it's a man or a woman. This in-between crap is driving me insane. So it's hard for me to say I'm straight. I'm not gay either. I just want to come out and say that and be transparent and come out and say I am bisexual even though I do lean more towards heterosexuality. What have I always said about bisexuals, folks? They will do anyone. And apparently this guy will too. I want to inspire other people to, maybe not experiment. I don't know if that's the right word, but to just be more open-minded because you can fall in love with someone's mind. You can fall in love with someone's heart. You don't have to be just be attracted to the way they look. There, white boy Malcolm X. That was, God, that was painful. Do you think he's playing with us? Do you think this guy is really bi or what? I don't don't look at me. I don't know. I I mean, he, he could be bi, or or I have a I have an alternative hypothesis. Why by Malcolm X? He could just be part time gay for pay. He could. Just, he's only banged one guy. 
in his life. So is he really bisexual? I, I doubt that. But uh, this could be for him, I think, a very good career move to at least let people think that he's bisexual. Um, because, let's face it, I mean, especially we've, we've been talking about here, the Academy has now come out with, with new requirements. If you want to you want to win an Academy Award or have a movie considered for it, it has to meet certain diversity quotients. And so, you know, I always talk about the queens with the clipboards walking around. What are you? What's your race? What's your what's your gender identity? Are you bi? Are you are you questioning? What what are you doing in bed? Things like that. I mean, he can just be like, boom, he's got the diversity quotient, and so that might help um, get him get him a couple more roles. Well, good for you. Zach Rance. You enjoy yourself. You have fun with that. This is from the Post Millennial, and it's written by a guy named Chad Felix Green, and I, I do follow him on, on Twitter. Very interesting fellow. Um, I like his kind of posts. He, he does tend to post a lot, and uh, I do like it. I read it all. I don't respond to everything because I don't want to think I'm stalking him. <laughs> I do like his stuff. It's just very interesting, very thoughtful. I would say young man, because I'm 51, and I, I think he's a bit younger, so I would say very nice, thoughtful young man. And here's the headline in this article. Increase in LGBT plus youth is due to increase in number of identity labels. And what did I say? Was it last Wednesday, last Sunday? I was talking about the good old days when it was just the gay community. And then we went to gay and lesbian community. And then we went to the gay and lesbian bisexual. And then we threw in transgenders. And then the questioning community. And then we just had to put a plus in there just in case we, we missed anyone. And I think this talks a little bit about the plus. President Trump's 2016 election not only saw historic voting numbers of LGBT Americans for a Republican candidate at 14%. You all are self-loathing. It apparently ushered. <laughs> What's well, true? Every time, if a what do they call uh, black people who vote for Republicans? They call them Uncle Toms. They call us Uncle Lindsays or self-loathing. <laughs> That's where I came up with uh, uh, America's most beloved self-loathing homosexuals because someone called me uh, self-loathing back in the day in Denver. So I just embraced it. But anyway, let's uh, let's pick that back up at the beginning. President Trump's 2016 election not only saw historic voting numbers of LGBT Americans for a Republican candidate at 14%, it apparently ushered in a new LGBT utopia with a dramatic fivefold increase of Americans identifying as LGBT, at least according to GLAD. Here they are again. Mercy, they are getting around. In the organization's annual Where Are We on TV report, this is where GLAD they pull out their clipboards and they watch all the television shows and they start checking boxes. I don't see enough transgenders in this show. Hmm. They're getting a, a check mark of disapproval. Detailing LGBT representation in media, the organization boldly claims that as of 2017, a full 20% of 18 to 34 year old Americans identify as LGBT. Holy crap. If this is surprising, it should be. The most common estimate of LGBT Americans falls between 3 and 5% of the population. In 2017, Gallup found that 4.5% of Americans identified as LGBT, as summarized by UCLA School of Law, Williams Institute. So where is the disconnect? GLAD corroborates this claim by arguing recent studies in different communities represent the same increase in identity. For example, in 2018, 
The University of Chicago found 23% of black women between the ages of 18 and 34 identified as bisexual and found 22% of Latinos in the same age group identify as LGBT. Do you believe that, white boy Malcolm X? 23% of black women are bisexual? Man, man, oh man, 22% of Latinos, Latinx, the Latinx are LGBT as well. Man, that's just one of those, it just seems odd to me. I mean, I'm, hey, if you if they are, look, if you're a black woman out there and you are listening to this show and you are a bisexual and you are, good for you. I, I really don't care. I just look at that number and I'm like, that's an eye-popping number right there. And I'm sitting there going, I don't think that's probably anywhere near true. But as we found from the election, you know, polls are polls and they'll spit out whatever number they they think you want to hear. Or the number that they want you to hear. <laughs> anyway, let's pick up with Chad's article again. And White Boy Malcolm X, you are sitting down. So folks, you got to sit down for this because this is the plus I was talking about a few minutes ago. The GLAD survey includes seven seven sexual orientation options, and seven gender identity options for survey takers to choose from. Beyond this standard LGMB, a person can choose, listen to this way, so you got lesbian, you got gay, and you got bisexual, which is, they'll do anyone. A person can choose asexual, heterosexual, pansexual, which is just a fancy way of saying bisexual, queer, and questioning. For genders, because, see, normally, folks, back in the day, back in my day, you were either a guy or a girl. But kids these days, they don't want that anymore. So they are going to do their own thing, like Sam Smith. So listen to this. For genders beyond male, female, or transgender, a person can choose agender, gender fluid, which is what drama queen Sam Smith is, by gender, and I have no idea. I guess you could, that's like one day you're a woman and one day you're a man. Good Lord. Gender queer and questioning. Oh my. See, there goes my head in the desk again. Oh, so seven. You have seven sexual orientations, and you got seven. You got just as many gender identity options. God. It's going to screw up everyone's driver's licenses. I don't even know what half of these are. Agender, you know, gender, gender queer. I don't know what these things are. Good question. Questioning. I don't know. I don't know what my gender is. Ah. Look between your legs. It's one of two choices. <laughs> just stop already. Folks, just stop. Like Sam Smith, just cut it out. God, you know what it is? I think people just need the attention. They just want... They want to feel special. And being a boy or being a girl isn't special enough anymore. So they have to come up with this like, I'm genderqueer and these are my special pronouns and this is how you shall address me and you are going to treat me special and the and the world will revolve around me. Me, me, me. Problem is, you've got like thousands and thousands of these people. And so now you've got all these people thinking they're the center of the universe and I just don't have time. Folks, I do not have time to memorize your stupid pronouns and to entertain the fact that you, you're you going to change your gender every time you wake up. Like flipping a freaking coin. God, stop it. Ugh, I'm getting aggravated again. Here's a Daily Wire story. 
I should just throw these stories away and just not talk about it. Get to the fun stuff. But now I'm going to talk about this because this is important. And and we love J.K. Rowling on this show. I got your back, J.K. It's all good. And here's the headline. J.K. Rowling on discussing trans issues. Many are afraid to speak up. Well, honey, ain't that the truth? Following a British high court ruling last week that it would be difficult for children under the age of 16 believing they are transgender to give informed consent to undergo treatment with puberty-blocking drugs, Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling stated in an interview with Good Housekeeping magazine that when it comes to discussing transgender issues, many are afraid to speak up because they fear for their jobs and even for their personal safety. This climate of fear serves nobody well, least of all trans people. But we do know, folks, that in Britain, at the age of 16, you can bebop, you know, your 32-year-old neighbor who offers you a glass of water. Or you can throw your 14-year-old friend under the bus and let him do it. But if you don't know what that is, got to listen to more podcasts. Anyway, continuing on. Rowling, who has been reviled by many members of the transgender community, just like I'm sure the British High Court's already been labeled transphobe, for her stance on transgenderism, stated... Many women are concerned about the challenges to their fundamental rights posed by certain aspects of gender identity ideology. I've had a huge postbag since speaking up on this issue, and more than 90% of the letters and emails have been supportive. Good. Good to hear that. My correspondents have included medical staff, social workers, prison workers, workers in women's refuges, and members of the LGBT community, including trans people. Many are afraid to speak up because they fear for their jobs and even for their personal safety, Rowling continued. This climate of fear serves nobody well, least of all trans people. I believe everyone should be free to live a life that is authentic to them and that they should be safe to do so. I also believe that we need a more nuanced conversation around women's rights and around the huge increase in number of girls and young women who are seeking to transition. Some of the most heartbreaking letters I've received have been from young women who regret the irreversible surgeries they've undertaken these stories need to be told. JK, no, they don't, because they, they upset they upset the transgender community when you tell them. And you can see how vile, vile her hate speech is, folks. <laughs> With that quote, you can see why she is reviled as a vicious, vicious transphobe for saying something like that. Man. Anyway, what has today shown us? You can pick your gender, you can pick your pronouns, you can pick your sexual orientation, you got Seven choices. Take it or leave it. Or not, you can switch it around every day, every hour on the hour. You can be a different gender. And it's everyone else's responsibility to keep up with you. And if not, you can just call them a bigot. This is a, speaking of which, this is a bridge story wiped by Malcolm X. So now we are leaving the gay stuff and we are moving into the race stuff. But this is a perfect bridge story because we just got done talking about transgenders. And here's the headline. This is from Red State. Science confirms it. There's a new personality disorder creating faux victims in need of revenge. (laughs) And if there's anyone who is a fake victim in wanting revenge, it is the transgender community. Man, they will whip on you if they don't like what you say. They come after you. Here's some news. As it turns out, there's a bunch of people in the world who think of themselves as victims, even though they aren't. As reported by the Washington Examiner, a brand spanking paper published in Personality and Individual Differences reveals a newly defined type. You want to see if you qualify. Whiteboard Macamax, do you want to take this test? And folks, if you're at home, you can take the test too. It is only four sentences. 
and the scale is from one to five and you rate your level of agreement. I'm assuming one is completely disagree and five is completely agree. And here are your four statements. Get your pens ready, folks. Number one, it is important to me that people who hurt me acknowledge that an injustice has been done to me. That's definitely the transgender community. Number two, I think that I am much more conscientious and moral in my relations with other people compared to their treatment of me. Okay, here's the third one. When people who are close to me feel hurt by my actions, it is very important for me to clarify that justice is on my side. And number four, it is very hard for me to stop thinking about the injustice others have done to me. So White Boy Malcolm X, what is your score? Well, I got a four as well. <laughs> oh my God. Man. But that, that's a lot on the left these days. They just crying about just social justice. And they got to get their reparations. They got to get back at people. Anyway, let's continue. Per Scientific American, if you scored high four or five on all of these items, which White Boy Malcolm X and I did not do, you may have what psychologists have identified as a tendency for interpersonal victimhood, or TIV. Rahav Gabi of Israel's School of Psychological Sciences and her colleagues have defined TIV as an enduring feeling that the self is a victim across different kinds of interpersonal relationships. So that, this is White Boy Malcolm X, literally the perfect story going from transgenders to BIPOC. Perfect. This is a perfectly timed story for me. The Denver Gazette notes Rahav and team conducted eight studies of Israeli adults in order to explore the trait. Conclusion, those suffering from TIV possess four characteristics. Moral elitism, a lack of empathy, rumination, and a need for recognition. <laughs> That's you, Sam Smith. My pronouns. My pronouns are so special. You have to call me they there. Why don't you write a hit song? And shut your pie hole. Those with the disorder don't merely feel disadvantaged. Victimhood is, per the paper, a central part of the individual's identity. <laughs> and that's not all. Of course not. According to two other studies, those who are actively feeling tormented also hold, as described by the examiner, intense negative emotions and entitlement to commit immoral behavior. In other words, the desire for revenge. The author summed it up. The higher participants TIV the more they experienced negative emotions and felt entitled to behave immorally. However, only the experience of negative emotions predicted behavioral revenge. And you want to know the next headline, White Boy Malcolm X. Bridging into the race stuff. Anti-hate group leader at race conference says it's time to kill the white man. <laughs> I'm not laughing about killing white people because that, that's me. But man... You want to talk about moral elitism and uh, victimhood and revenge. Tendency for interpersonal victimhood. This guy's got it. In 2020, white supremacist racism is roundly denounced and condemned by an overwhelming majority of civilized countries around the world. Far left, anti-white racism, however, continues to be fully embraced by the left. The most recent example of this comes from Mamadou Ba the head of SOS Racismo, a Portuguese anti-hate group. 
At a recent online conference on hate speech, Ba explained the necessity to kill the white man, murderer, colonial, and racist, in order to avoid the death of the black political subject, as reported by, oh, my Spanish or my Portuguese is horrible, Correio de Manha, a Portuguese daily newspaper. The Portuguese outlet went on to explain that Ba was quoting, presumably in agreement, France Fanon, a French philosopher who specialized in the psychopathology of colonialism. The conference, which took place on November 21st, was dedicated to the theme of racism and the advancement of hate speech in the world. Anti-racism, the philosophy which activists such as Mamadou Ba advance, has been known to promote racial bigotry and racial stereotypes of this exact sort. In fact, the tenets of anti-racism are quite contradictory to the philosophy's namesake. Ironically, many of those core ideas line up with the bigoted principles of white supremacy. Whoa! They just compared them to white supremacists. Damn. Additionally, anti-racism requires its followers to be constantly thinking about race and every interaction people have with each other. Treating individuals equally without regard for their skin color, an idea known as color blindness, is considered to be incredibly problematic by anti-racists. This is merely a facade used by white people to uphold their system of white supremacy according to the strange ideology of anti-racist activists. Mercy. I'm not reading any more of this. That that has got to be just an exhausting way, white boy Malcolm X, to go about living your life. Carrying that cross on your back and just everything is that's why I have such big race piles every every show, is because race has just injected itself into every aspect of of life. There was actually a story I saw about hidden racism in the gardening community. <laughs> I was like, that is a bridge too far. I'm not printing that out because I literally would just be banging my head into this desk all day all day long if I did that. Man, these people just, they are just wired about race, 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 race. Racist, racist, racist. That's all they do. They do call everyone a racist every time they don't get their way. Speaking of which... <laughs> Here's a, a article from the Western Journal, and here's the headline. Couple shamed for Christmas lights in anonymous letter. Reminder of systemic biases. Another. Can you imagine having that social justice warrior roaming the neighborhood? Yikes. Nothing is safe from left-wing politicization anymore. For one St. Anthony, Minnesota couple, not even Christmas lights are safe. In an anonymous letter sent to the home of Kim Hunt, a person claiming to be one of Hunt's neighbors chastised her and her husband for hanging up Christmas lights. The letter itself, obtained by Crime Watch Minneapolis and posted to Social Media Monday, suggested that innocuous displays such as Hunt's constituted a reminder of divisions that continue to run through our society and a reminder of systemic biases against our neighbors who don't celebrate Christmas or who can't afford to put up lights of their own. We must do the work of educating ourselves about the harmful impact of an outward-facing display like yours can have, the letter read. I challenge you to respect the dignity of all people while striving to learn from differences, ideas, and opinions of our neighbors. We must come together collectively and challenge these institutional inequities. St. Anthony is a community welcoming of all people, and we must demand better for ourselves. So, if you hang Christmas lights, folks... You are a racist, you are bigoted, and you are elitist. <laughs> I, my guy, I, well, I live in Massachusetts, so I, I have no doubt, I have no doubt that I got a couple nutty neighbors like that. But the, going back to the last article about going around 
and just everything is about race. You look at everything through this racial filter and how exhausting that must be. Can you imagine being this dopey activist neighbor and every time you see something like Christmas lights, you see someone hanging up a Christmas lights, you think, well, since other people don't celebrate Christmas, that's offensive. And because some people can't afford to put up the Christmas lights, that's offensive. And everything is looked through that filter. It's that, man, they they will look look for it in anything. You drive a Mercedes and that is horrible and racist and it is very elitist and it's just not welcoming because sometimes you're, some of your neighbors can't. Okay, there you go. So look out for your neighbors, folks, because God help you. If you got something that they they don't like, get yourself an anonymous letter too. <sighs> there goes my head in the desk. Here's the headline. Colin Kaepernick, that stupid, fake racial hustler drama queen, gets vegan Ben and Jerry's ice cream flavor. Oh, white boy Malcolm X. <laughs> exactly. Summit Mistress. You're going to have to eat this disgusting garbage. Unless... <laughs> our Folks, our, uh, our friend, the Summit Mistress, who's still in Colorado, she is a vegan. And by the way, she makes, would you not agree, white boy Malcolm X, she makes a really good vegan Thanksgiving because... We got the invite, and I'm sitting there going, oh, God, vegan Thanksgiving, what the hell, I want a turkey. But I have to say, that was damn good, all the way down to the vegan uh, pumpkin pie at the end. But it was she made a damn good meal, and uh, that's still one of my favorite Thanksgivings, because thank, thankfully vegans aren't uh, alcohol-free, so you can sit around and have a couple glasses of wine and enjoy her delicious food. She, she's an amazing cook, but I don't know about vegan ice cream, that would be gross to me, but... Let's find out more about drama queen Colin. Colin Kaepernick isn't returning to the NFL, but he's still getting endorsements and using the proceeds for a good cause. The blackballed and longtime vegan quarterback is teaming up with Ben and Jerry's ice cream for a new flavor. And listen to this stupid flavor, White Boy Malcolm X. Change the world. A play on his fight against police brutality and racial injustice. I hope he has lots of those fists in the air when he's doing that. Maybe he'll have him on his knee with his fist in the air and that'll just be all around the all around the little tub there. It's a non-dairy flavor that will be out in early 2021 and will have his face on it. And it will probably taste like a used jock strap. Kaepernick announced the collaboration and said he will donate all the proceeds to Know Your Rights Camp, which he founded. Ben and Jerry's will match his donation. I'm not even gonna read any more of that. There. The, that dope got his own ice cream flavor. This is kind of a local story, but it's a race story because it got Ayanna Presley in it. And here's the headline. Presley, black community more vulnerable to coronavirus due to comorbidities of structural racism. And I think white boy Malcolm X, she's one of these chicks in the squad, although she doesn't sound... I mean, granted, what comes out of her mouth is like, oh my God, you can't be that stupid, but... She doesn't sound like the valley girl, the dope chick with the IQ of a cocktail olive, AOC. But let's find out what she's yammering on about with the comorbidities of structural racism. Representative Ayanna Presley suggested that part of the reason black people in the United States have been hit hard by the coronavirus is due to the comorbidities of structural racism and food apartheid systems. Man. The coronavirus is the third leading cause of death for black Americans, the Massachusetts Democrat said on MSNBC this week. 
So, the most vulnerable and marginalized communities because of the comorbidities of structural racism, because of unequal access to health care, because of transportation deserts and food apartheid systems, have been the most vulnerable to contracting this virus. Presley's comment quickly drew criticism on Twitter from those on the right, including from national security consultant David Reboy, who tweeted, I'm not sure they understand the extent to which this kind of insanity radicalizes people. Who'd want to share a country with this? Food apartheid systems, author Ryan Gerdusky tweeted, You mean if you live near a Whole Foods, you can't get COVID? <laughs> Food apartheid systems, podcaster David Rubin tweeted, These people are absolute embarrassments and should have no power over you. Well, unfortunately, they do. The congresswoman responded to Rubin's comment on Twitter and stood by her use of the phrase food apartheid systems. I said exactly what it is, Presley tweeted. Food apartheid looks at the whole food system and takes into account income, race, and geo. It recognizes social and racial inequalities and that the systems in place are what makes it difficult for people in low-income areas to access fresh, healthy food. Which sounds like... It sounds like, um, what's her name, Michelle Obama's like food desert thing that she was railing about a couple years ago. And, and if you don't know who Michelle Obama is, folks, she is the former first lady and she's also a, a victim of horrible systemic racism from her, her multi-million dollar house in Martha's Vineyard. And we reported on that a few months ago because you're like, well, how the hell can that be possible? Because folks, and she brought this up herself, a, she, went, she and the kids went to get ice cream. It's her, the kids, I guess, Secret Service, the whole nine yards. And some white woman just cut her off in line to get that ice cream. And so that to her is like systemic racism. And that is, it's hard being Michelle. I mean, poor princess. I was like, oh, I, I feel bad for her. She just wanted to stuff her face with ice cream. And some dopey white woman just cut her off. And so that's her version of um, her first world problem of racism is some white woman cutting her off. But I guess they are food apartheid systems. And I didn't know that. I had no idea. But I have a Whole Foods around the corner. So I am, that's what they call white privilege, folks. I live near Whole Foods filled with dopey white liberals. This is a BBC news story. And here's the headline. Hold on. How many more race? We got a couple more race stories. I told you, White Boy Malcolm X, everything is race. And here's the headline here. Black Lives Matter, activists demand, hashtag end SARS protesters release. Prominent Black Lives Matter activists and celebrities have written to Nigeria's president demanding justice over the treatment of people during protests against police brutality. So even in Nigeria, folks, where I am going out on a limb and I'm going to assume that the majority of their police department is black, they have police brutality. Black on black crime. But nobody cares about that. We know that because... How many hundreds of people have been murdered in Chicago and no one says a word? The group, which includes singer Alicia Keys and camp... Oh, God. God. Here's my head on the desk extra loud. Campaigner Greta Thunberg urged President Muhammadu Buhari to free jailed protesters. They also called... Can you imagine that motley crew signing off on a letter? They also called for transparent investigation into the alleged killing of protesters by armed forces... We cannot stay silent, they said. And we should be so lucky. Can you imagine a world where you didn't have to listen to Greta Thunberg, her yappy little teenage mouth, spewing off about crap? She has no idea what she's talking about. Witnesses say they saw soldiers open fire on protesters at a toll gate in the wealthy Lagos suburb of Leaky on 20 October. It followed weeks of protests, which began against the now disbanded, much-hated police unit, the Special Anti-Robbery Squad, or SARS, 
but then morphed into greater calls for better governance. The letter was organized by hashtag Black Lives Matter movement co-founder Opal Tometi, who, folks, if you don't know, those folks at Black Lives Matter are getting paid. And so she has got to be worth a fortune by now. She's making, she can't do good and she's doing very well indeed. Don't worry about her. And time to coincide with International Human Rights Day. Other signatories include actors. Those folks, I guess, have nothing to do with the COVID. They can't act. Well, they can't act anyway, but here's the list. Kerry Washington, Danny Glover, and Mark Ruffalo. He's gone off the freaking rails. As well as writers Afua Hirsch, Rini Ido Lodge, and Naomi Klein. As people who have supported the Black Lives Matter movement in the United States and throughout the diaspora, we cannot be silent when similar atrocities take place in African countries, the letter said. We demand respect for the Nigerian people, especially as they engage in their constitutional right to protest grave injustices. Can you imagine, white boy Malcolm X, can you imagine being Muhammadu Buhari, the president of Nigeria? And and your country is known for sending out those email scams. <laughs> but you're sitting there and you get this letter from... Alicia Keys and Greta Thunberg and Mark Nutty Ruffalo and Kerry Washington and some rich BLM activists <laughs> lecturing you on uh, on what you should be doing. And he's like, what the, what the hell? What the hell am I dealing with these morons for? I mean, between them, they probably have half a brain. Good Lord. Okay, I'm done with them. They are annoying. You know, I like to... Um, I, I do it tongue in cheek, but there is a, uh, a, a some truth to it about all the hysterical white women who are protesting and uh, out there leading the march. And the only reason you got dopey white guys out there is because they're liberals and they're pansy men, and their women tell them what to do, and they only go there because they want they want to get a blowjob from their hysterical girlfriends. So they go and they pretend <laughs> they pretend social justice warriors. But the women they're into it. They are into it hardcore. And you probably are like, well, Miller, that's kind of sexist and you shouldn't say these things because there's no proof. But I actually, I have an article here from Town Hall that, that helps to back up my, my assessment. And here's the headline, DNC, the party of bitter, woke white women. So I'm not the only one that thinks a bunch of angry white women out there running around causing trouble. And I'll just read you, this is a fairly long article, but I'll just read you a, a couple of paragraphs. The Democratic Party has moved from one that at least claimed to represent the interests of the working class to a party that barely hides its pandering to woke, often white coastal elites. The policies and speech of the DNC are now less focused on lifting people out of poverty and more focused on making sure that no one's feelings get hurt. But if that's their MO, it's clearly not working. The Democratic Party is angrier than ever, with its women members appearing to be especially enraged. The weirdest part is that anger is a qualifier that Democrats not only accept, but wear like a badge of honor. You can say that again. Senator Patty Murray this past summer called herself a rage mom, the most recent iteration of woke adult women claiming to be fed up with politics and veering into activism. But the problem with the outrage that comes from many Democratic women that supposedly compels them to get involved with politics is that it has nothing to do with actually making things better for the country's poorest or most vulnerable. In reality, the squall of the Democratic rage machine is at once the sore losers referendum on 2016 and the cry of those secretly afraid of real fundamental policy changes. 
These are the type of people who feel safer with Biden in office simply because he is perceived to be less uncouth than the sitting president. For as much as conservatives get criticized for wanting to preserve a certain way of life, it is affluent liberals who are most deserving of this criticism. These voters are Karen-esque in their sense of superiority and entitlement. They think that everyone should think like them and that anyone who doesn't is below them or unenlightened or uneducated. Virtue signaling is just as important to maintaining a woke way of life for Karen Democrats. That's why white liberal women have taken to dominating the conversation on race and other cultural issues. In the city of Arlington, Virginia's Dialogues on Race and Equity Questionnaire, the biggest pool of respondents have been middle-aged white women who are relatively affluent, the spitting image of diversity. Comedian Bill Barr perhaps put it best when he said that white women have hijacked the woke movement. And if memory serves me correctly, that actually was hilarious, that bit he did on Saturday Night Live. He got in a lot of trouble for that. Man, did he get in the... Because they have no, no sense of humor. Where was that? Um, where was that article? I just, I literally just, where's my bridge story, white boy Malcolm X? Here it is. These are the folks with a tendency for interpersonal victimhood. Because they definitely got moral elitism, a certainly a lack of empathy, and a need for recognition, and a desire for revenge. I love that. Karen Democrats. That's what we'll call them. Karen Democrats. I live in a town full of them. We are finally into the fun stories, White Boy Malcolm X. We got tons of them. Good, good, because I just. That's me and my head against the wall. That race stuff. These race stories are just, to me, they're, they're extremely infuriating. But the only thing I can do to combat them, because I, I do get so frustrated reading them, like Ayanna Presley and her her food apartheid. I mean, that's just, it's so crazy, but I just, I want to laugh at them. That's why I read these things. Cause I just, I just want to laugh at this, the insanity and sometimes the hypocrisy, you know, we had uh white fragility of uh, what's her name? Uh, Beverly D'Angelo, the white fragility chick. And she, you know, she runs around complaining about white people and being racist and using white oppression and what systemic racism and all this other crap. And what does she do? She had she's at a at a conference with a black woman and she gets a higher speaking fee. <laughs> so she uses her white privilege to get paid more than the black the other black speaker, and then runs around complaining about us. But things like that for me, this is why I do this show. You just you got to laugh at these people. You just gotta have fun with it, and it's just it's frustrating as all hell. I totally get it, but it, you gotta laugh at Ayanna Presley. I mean, she's another hysterical dopey Karen Democrat. That's what she is. Anyway, let's get to the fun because that's what we are here for. And here's the first headline. Russians wanting coronavirus vaccine told to stop drinking for two months. And I never thought I would be an anti-vaxxer. But if I lived in Russia, I would be like, hell no, I'm not getting a vaccine if I got to give up the drinking. Some Russians have reacted strongly after a health official told them to quit drinking for two months if they're getting the COVID-19 vaccine. Anna Popova, head of the country's consumer health watchdog, told a Pravda radio station on Tuesday that people should stop drinking alcohol at least two weeks before getting the first of two injections. They should then continue to abstain for a further 42 days, she advised, meaning a eight whole weeks without a drink. Popova warned alcohol will reduce the body's ability to build up immunity to COVID-19. It's a strain on the body. 
If we want to be healthy and have a strong immune response, don't drink alcohol, she said. So white boy Malcolm X, you think she's already in a camp? <laughs> you think Putin has already put her in a camp? Or she's still out running around, at least for a little while? I, I, I think she's gone. She will be soon. She ain't going to have that job for long. I mean, that's, that's half the reason he stays in office. He just... Here's some more vodka, folks. Just keep drinking. Don't don't mind me over here, you know, enriching me and my cronies. I am not going to read this article, but it just, it was funny. I just saw the headline, White Boy Malcolm X, and uh, this is from a, a site called My Daily Magazine. And this was the world's longest article. But here's the headline. She thought a humpback whale was attacking her. Then she realized what was truly happening. And the only reason I printed this up. I was like, oh, this looks interesting because we had the rapey kangaroo last week. <laughs> last Sunday, we had the woman who was wearing the Sarah Jessica Parker perfume, and she thought that's why the kangaroo was being so rapey towards her. I mean, that was like a, a Harvey Weinstein kangaroo, like a Bill Clinton kangaroo. That thing was like stalking her and going after her, pushed her down and like was trying to hump her and stuff. And she thought it was because of her, her perfume, who knew that Sarah Jessica Parker could do rapey kangaroo perfume? But when I saw this article, I'm like, oh my God, there's a rapey whale. <laughs> it's this woman wearing Sarah Jessica Parker perfume. But no, it's not about that at all. It's about, she's out there swimming in the, in the whale. She thinks the whale was trying to save her. This was a very nice whale. Um, was trying to save her from a shark. So he was like pushing up against her and stuff and pushing her away from the shark. But he was not trying to rape her. There was no rapey whale. Although he was, because she's as white as they come. He was he was perpetrating white supremacy by saving her. He's, another white woman lives. So this next article is kind of a follow-up in a way. But we were talking last week about breakdancing now becoming an Olympic sport. And this Russian kid named Bumblebee won this recent breakdancing concert. And I was like, well, that's cultural appropriation because you had a, a Russian, you had this little French twink, and then you had some little Japanese twink kid and they won the top three spots. And I'm like, that is as culturally appropriating as it gets. But they all have nicknames and we were kind of, kind of laughing at the whole thing. But then I saw this other article and the headline on this, this is a page six article, Rapper a Boogie with the Hoodie arrested after raid at New Jersey home. And so I clicked on the article and it just kind of led me down this wormhole because page six or or the New York Post rather has this whole section on rappers. And if you missed last week's podcast, I just printed out, I think it was Wednesday, just printed out a bunch of uh, articles and I didn't read the articles, I just read the headlines and it was all about these rappers and they all had nicknames. And um, I was just kind of laughing at the articles because they're just nutty. And then, but what I did not do and white boy Malcolm X pointed that to me is I mentioned this article rapper a boogie with the hoodie arrested after raid at New Jersey home and I should have read the article I should have read it out and I did not do that so here it is folks I am going to read this article from page six rapper a boogie with the hoodie arrested after raid at New Jersey home a Bronx born rapper was arrested after cops found an arsenal of guns and some marijuana during a raid at his New Jersey home prosecutor said Tuesday a boogie with the hoodie whose real name is Artist Dubois. Now that is a pretentious... Now wonder he changed his name, because he is never, folks, he is never going to make it in the rap community known as Artist Dubois. I am Artist a Boogie with the Hoodie Dubois. He just had to like drop Artist Dubois totally, and he is just a Boogie with the Hoodie. 
Let's get drunk and say that 20 times fast. Anyway, he was hit with weapons and marijuana possession charges, according to the Bergen County's prosecutor's office. Law enforcement authorities executed a search warrant at the 25-year-old artist's home in Demarest on Monday. Officials didn't say what their investigation was in connection to. So a boogie with the hoodie might be in a lot of trouble. The search turned up. Listen to this white boy Malcolm X. Four handguns, hollow point bullets, and those are the ones that do a lot of damage, folks. Damn. He was going all out with that. And various high-capacity magazines, as well as weed and drug paraphernalia, prosecutors said. But at least his street cred, folks. If he's got that many guns, those type of bullets, and all those drugs, he is in in the, in with the crowd. A boogie with the hoodie. A personal security guard at the home, 33-year-old Quashan Hagler, was also charged with illegal weapons possession, NorthJersey.com reported. And a boogie's manager, Sam Blue Camera, was slapped with drug charges after cops searched his home in Bergenfeld and found marijuana, prosecutors said. So there you go, folks. I have now read the article about a boogie with the hoodie. What a mess that one is. He should join the gay community. We could just put him in the plus. He'd fit right in. This is a Daily Caller story, and here's this headline. It's also in New Jersey. Man, folks in New Jersey, they want to become the Florida of the Northeast. But they are not going to take it from New Hampshire. Amazon driver caught dumping packages and claims it was actually his own feces. (laughs) Hmm. An Amazon delivery driver. Well, I hope it's not my Amazon delivery driver because I got a package coming today and I don't want anyone's poo. An Amazon delivery driver allegedly hid hundreds of dollars worth of parcels in a wooded area of New Jersey, according to Newsweek, though he claimed it was something far less valuable. A police officer from Logan Township, New Jersey, had initially seen a van parked on the side of a highway on November 2nd, Newsweek reported. The police officer approached the driver after he saw him throwing a box into the woods, according to the New York Post. After the driver told the police that he was throwing his feces into the woods, the police investigated and found several parcels, Newsweek reports. So this guy tosses a box, the cops show up, and the cop's like, what was in the box? And the guy's like, that was just my poo. I just pooed in the box and God knows whether he had toilet paper, but he just pooed in the box and threw it in the woods. And so the police was like, well, I got to go check that out. <laughs> I want to go see the poo in the box. So he goes in there and, uh-oh, guess what? Not poo in the box, just unopened boxes. Police allege the driver, Desmond Gould, 23, who's apparently not that bright, was hiding the packages and planning to retrieve them later, according to the New York Post. The 11 packages the driver stashed. So this guy's like, he's not going to just steal one box and go, oops, that went missing. He's stealing 11 boxes. He's going all in. But listen to this white boy, Malcolm X, because now I feel bad. I feel bad for Desmond Gould. He goes to all this effort to steal 11 boxes thinking he is going to make bank. And listen to this. The 11 packages the driver stashed were valued at $288.87. <laughs> Man, of all the of all the luck, not only does he get busted for it, but he picks 11 packages with the crappiest, cheapest things you could ever buy in them. Oh, I, I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, does he not understand that those packages are trapped? And if 11 packages go missing, what the hell is he going to say? Nothing, because he's probably going to go to jail. Lying to your kids about Santa could cause serious damage, says child psychologist. And we know about child psychologists because who was that raging ginger chick in New York? 
the one that got arrested with their dopey friends, White Boy Malcolm X, and you thought the boys were, you know, the scummy little hippie boys. You thought they were attractive. And, um, okay, the one, okay, you said one was attractive. <laughs> but her father was a child psychologist, and she was as screwed up as they come. So you know what, what good job these folks do in general. But this one's like, don't lie to your kids about Santa. So if you have kids and you're listening to this podcast, number one, shame on you because this is not for children, but you need to send them out of the room because we're going to talk about Santa. The Christmas holiday is officially in full swing. Kids are watching their favorite festive films on repeat, opening their advent calendars, and counting down the days until Santa comes. And I can't believe White Boy Malcolm X. Christmas is a week from Friday? Holy moly. And you know who's coming? Yeah. Yes, Mama... Mama Frost is on her way up. She'll be up. Well, she's coming up a week from Tuesday. And uh, I was on the phone with her this morning and I made, I made a comment about, um, man, it's coming up quick. And she took it personally. Like I was like, like not wanting her to come. I said, no, I just can't believe it's like Christmas is next week. It had nothing to do with her. But she took it like I was like, like begrudging her visit. Now she'll be up here for five days. I don't know. Ask me next two Sundays, two, two weeks from today. I'll just put her on an airplane, so we'll, we'll see how uh, how I held up. But Mama Frost is on the way. You're you're not going anywhere, are you? I didn't think so. You got you got to come over, come over and and, uh, and and hang out with Mama Frost again, and we can. Uh, she's getting the good wine. She's gonna uh, taking her up to the wine store, and she's paying for it. She said. Anyway, let's just read about this. But as the magic doesn't last forever. Because as your children get older, they only become more inquisitive, asking questions like, how does Father Christmas deliver all those presents in one night? Well, he doesn't, better not use Amazon. He might get packages stolen. And why does their sister get more toys than them? Eventually, you might find yourself wondering when you should tell them the truth about Santa. And what's the best way to go about it without them feeling like they can't trust you anymore? Daily Star spoke with child psychologist Dr. Amanda Gummer, from Dr. Gummer's Good Play Guide to find out the best age to drop the bombshell. Dr. Gummer says a good time to tell your kids the truth is in year six before they go into secondary school, which is around the age of 10 or 11, but this depends on the child. She explained, when did you find out White Boy Malcolm X? Yeah, I was, I, I was about, I think maybe, I had an older brother, so, you know, he was, you know, that nasty queen, he was, you know, going to tell the secret, so I, I learned pretty young. Uh, we kept it from like the younger ones, but I, I knew, I don't know, I think like eight or nine. Uh, made, I don't even know if I made it to nine. Eight at the latest. Anyway, she explained, it is important that your children trust you and believe what you tell them. So if you keep the myth going for too long, there's a danger that you'll damage your credibility with them, which can be damaging for your relationship as they get older. So in other words, if you lie to your kids about Santa for too long, they're never going to trust you on anything. And so I am going to have to sit down with Mama Frost next week and confront her because not only did that woman lie to me about Santa Claus, but she lied to me about the Easter Bunny. She lied to me about the Tooth Fairy. And I want to know what else that woman lied to me about because I just don't believe her. Jeez, her credibility is damaged with me. Well, as long as she gets me something, I don't care. Oh, my, my, my. How's this for a headline? Dad, who had sex with stranger on pavement in middle of the day, is jailed. But woman is let off with a fine. Well, let's face it. If you are a, a woman in the UK and you bang a 14-year-old boy, you are not going to jail. So if you are banging a full-grown man on the sidewalk, you're probably not going to go to jail either. 
But let's find out a little bit more about what's going on with these two lovebirds in heat on the sidewalk. A dad who had sex with a stranger on a pavement in the middle of the day has been jailed while she walked freight. Jonathan Pisani, 45, romped with Kate Jackson, 40, in full view of passing shoppers after they got chatting while waiting for a train. Witnesses called the cops, mistakenly fearing that she was being raped, but CCTV showed her pulling Pisani on top of her in Staley Bridge, Greater Manchester. The pair admitted outraging public decency, but while she was let off with a 50-pound fine, he has been handed an 11-week sentence. Man. So he's going to keep having sex. <laughs> he's going to jail, White Boy Malcolm X. He's going to have 11 more weeks of fun. And I don't know about how consensual that's going to be, speaking of being raped. Jackson, who was also made to pay costs of 180 pounds at Tamside Magistrates Court in October. But Pisani of Staley Bridge had to cough up 213 pounds in costs and surcharges on top of his sentence at Manchester Magistrates Court. District Judge Bernard Begley told Pisani, Members of the public were going about their daily business. One of them drew this offense to the attention of police as they thought your co-accused was being raped. This was an appalling offense committed in broad daylight in the middle of the summer. You have previous convictions, albeit not for anything like this, and were subject to a conditional discharge. He was already in trouble, folks, before he, he and this woman got in heat, and they just they couldn't wait to go to someone's house, or they couldn't even go behind a bush. They just did it right there. On the frickin' sidewalk in full view of everyone. Going at it. Ian Ridgway, defending, had pleaded for a community order as the co-accused had received one, further asking for a suspended sentence if that were not possible. Mr. Ridgway said he has mental health issues and is trying to get treatment from his doctor. Say that again. You know what, Jonathan? Let me give you a little piece of advice after you get out of prison and enjoy being, you know, Whatever passed around in prison in uh, in England. You need, sir, you need, you can move to Florida. That would be my recommendation because if you got busted for having sex on the sidewalk in Florida, it would be a misdemeanor. No jail time for you. Here's another good one for you. Furious homeowners handwritten note to tradesmen who took toilet virginity. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't know you could do that, but I guess that technically does make sense. Someone's got to use it first. A homeowner was left furious when she discovered that a group of tradesmen had used her toilet while renovating her house. Nadia from Sutherlandshire in Australia had hired a group of construction workers to do a bit of work on her home, but while they were at it, they took the virginity of her brand new toilet, leaving her stunned. She was stunned, white boy Malcolm X. She came home and was like, no. Although she'd organized for the workers to have access to an outdoor toilet, they decided to use the one she just had installed indoors. She should have taken the virginity on her own. She put that thing in there and just used it right then and there. After discovering the evidence that they had left behind in the bowl, she was forced to wash the toilet twice. Damn! What the hell are those tradesmen eating that they they messed up that toilet so bad that woman had to scrub that thing down twice? Oof, there ain't enough bleach in the world. She might as well have the damn thing ripped out. Disgusted by the criminal act they'd committed, she wrote them a note before taping it to the lid. <laughs> Talk about passive-aggressive. So here's the letter, White Boy Malcolm Dear tradesman, she was very polite at least, the toilets in this house are not rightfully yours to use it right. We are paying for an outdoor toilet for your use. Not only did you take the virginity of our toilets, but you disrespectfully ignored the seal sign, ripped the tape, and continued to use it. 
This is the second time I am cleaning your crap from this toilet, but she did not say crap. This is a criminal act. Please don't do it again. After sharing the note on Facebook, many people agreed with Nadia that the construction worker should have cleaned down the toilet after using it at least. So this chick, not only did she accuse these uh, these tradesmen of raping her toilet and taking its virginity, she she put the damn thing up on Facebook. So everyone, all her friends, they probably already know she's a drama queen, but every one of her friends could like, oh God, here she goes again. It's time about a toilet. Nadia, it's just a freaking toilet. Clean it, call it a day. Okay, how many more stories we got? A couple more stories and then we're out of here for the day. And I don't know, folks, I don't know if we'll be back on Wednesday. Probably, I'm going to try. Definitely not next Wednesday because I got Mama Frost in town and we'll be drinking wine. And I'm not doing a show on booze. That is white boy Malcolm X's job. So here, how's this headline? Speaking of angry women. Woman sues boyfriend for failing to propose after eight years of dating. When you've been in a relationship with someone for a few years, you might have some expectations about your future together. Perhaps you want to move in with them, get married, or start a family. But while you're ready to take on the big stuff, your partner might not be there yet. So what do you do if you're not on the same page about this? Well, you could try and have a civil conversation with them about it, or you could do something a little more drastic. One woman recently decided to take action and sue her boyfriend of eight years for failing to pop the question after all of that time. And he's probably like, and this is exactly why I didn't do it, because this woman is nuts. Gertrude Nagoma, 26, took her other half, Herbert Salaliki, 28, to court in Zambia after, yes, White Boy Malcolm X, we are all over the world today. We went from uh, England to Australia, and now we are in Zambia. And we were in Nigeria earlier, so we're, we're back in Africa. After getting tired of waiting for him to propose, once in front of a judge, Gertrude reportedly demanded that her partner outline his intentions for their future together. According to Kenyan news site Tuko, the young woman who shares a child with Herbert claimed he wasn't taking their relationship seriously as he made a dowry payment, but she is still living with her parents while he lives alone and he hasn't gotten down on one knee. She also shares concerns about his loyalty and speculating that he could be talking to another woman. He has never been serious, said Gertrude. That is why I brought him to court, because I deserve to know the way forward and our future. Gertrude, honey. <laughs> man, oh man. What's the phrase? Why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Gertrude, you have a kid with him. You live at home. He ain't got to raise the kid. He ain't got to look at you in the morning. <laughs> You're living over there the bachelor lifestyle. You think he's going to change that? Uh-uh. You got yourself a, uh, he's going to party it pretty hard. He's going to be like a, what is he, 20, uh, 28, typical millennial. He's not living in his mom's basement. I got to give him credit. He's living on his own. But he's like, I, I don't want her over here. And I want the damn kid over here. I'm just going to hang out by myself. She can live with her parents. And I'll just, you know, hang out and go see her when I want to see her. <laughs> Gertrude, your own damn fault. Should have thrown his ass to the curb a long time ago. Suing him is not the answer. Okay, this next story, it is a smoking gun story, but it is not our last story. Uh, generally, we like to do, we like to wrap up, like uh, Bud Light Mike, we like to wrap up our, our show with the smoking gun, but we're not doing that because number one is in Connecticut, it is not in Florida. Number two, it's just not as good as the last story, but none of them are as good as Bud Light Mike. And if you're like, who's Bud Light Mike? Listen to the podcast. Last podcast we did on Wednesday. That was a funny story. 
Cops. Mall Santa exposed himself to co-worker. Connecticut man, 45, arrested following break room incident. Santa is a pervert. A mall Santa is facing felony charges after allegedly exposing himself to a teenage co-worker, police allege. According to cops, Prince Carter, 45, white boy McAmonds, look at Prince. <clears throat> black Santa. I know. I know, we got a black, this is how, this is how liberal they are in Connecticut. They're like, we don't, we don't want like, um, uh, like an old white guy. That's honest. There's actually folks. When I lived in Atlanta. Uh, Lennox Mall had a. Uh, they had a guy. The guy was uh, older. Had a beard, like a real beard. I mean, he was like a real. He looked just like Santa. He looked like a uh, stereotypical uh, racist white Santa, white supremacist Santa, <laughs> as Ariana Presley might say. Um, but they had like this whole thing around Santa, and it, and this guy like lived and breathed this stuff, and I bet he made bank doing it. But you know, in Connecticut, you, they, they can't have like an old white guy playing Santa. So they're like, we gotta we gotta find ourselves a BIPOC person to play Santa because that would assuage their white guilt. And they're probably only like four black people in the whole state of Connecticut anyway. They all got jobs playing Santa this year because that's how they roll in Connecticut. But apparently, this Santa is a perv. According to cops, Prince Carter, 45, was on a break from his Santa duties Monday evening at the Connecticut Post Mall when he hugged and grabbed the female victim in a break room where Carter also allegedly exposed himself to the juvenile. So I'm reading that story, right? He's on his smoke break from being Santa. So he goes in the break room and I guess he took out his Johnson. Yes, I call it a Johnson. (laughs) In general, it's just one of those things you can, I'm not going to say whatever i'm just that's i'm just saying he took out his johnson and everyone knows what that means and it's nowhere near vulgar so i don't know what he calls it but i'm sure he's got a name for it because he's a pervy santa he's got to have a name for that thing but he goes up to this underage girl and he gives her a hug and he with one hand and he takes out his johnson (laughs) he's smooth he can just do all that with one hand just zoop out it comes Responding to a 911 call about a possible sexual assault milford police department officers subsequently arrested carter and on risk of injury to a minor and sexual assault charges. <sighs> in late November, the Connecticut Post Mall unveiled its Elf on the Shelf, Santa's magical photo adventure set, which is keeping you safe and delightfully distanced with a contactless Santa visit, according to the mall's website. Well, they probably should, because Santa's a perv. Children will still be able to talk to Santa from a safe distance to share their wish list or place a letter in Santa's mailbox for him to read later. But Santa is now in jail, and I'm sure they are scrambling, scrambling there at the mall to find another black Santa. And here's our final story. And not to disappoint you folks, it's not Bud Light Mike, but how's this? Florida woman, yes, we are in Florida. Florida woman stuffed roommate's body in trash to collect his benefits. So there's some Social Security fraud going on in Florida. Surprise, surprise. A Florida woman was arrested Wednesday for hiding her roommate's body in a trash can so she could collect his Social Security benefits, Authority said. Michelle Haney, 48. Look at this chick, white boy Malcolm X. I understand why she needs the benefits because, folks, that's a lot of eating to get that size. Woof. Told deputies she found her roommate, John Leonard, dead in their Brandonton mobile home in July, the Manatee County Sheriff's Office said in a statement. But instead of calling the sheriff's office, Haney stuffed Leonard's body in a closet for three weeks in Florida. 
When that short-sighted plan became unbearable, she put the rotting corpse in a trash bin and left it with the neighbor authorities. Would you take this trash can? Haney allegedly told the neighbor she'd come back for the bin later. You see this chick white boy Malcolm actually waddling over, dragging this trash can with his corpse in it. She's like, can you hold on to my trash can for me? The guy's probably like, uh, sure, I, I guess. But after two months, Haney still hadn't shown up. The neighbor decided to open the trash bin on Tuesday oh, and discovered Leonard's still decomposing bodies, authorities said. Man, that's a surprise. White boy Malcolm X. So there is a rotting corpse in a trash bin. And the neighbor doesn't doesn't think anything's... <laughs> well, I, I, White Boy Malcolm X's theory is that, you know, everything smells like rotting corpse in Florida. <laughs> so they were probably didn't think anything of it. They were probably like, mmm, smells just like Florida. Man. Haney later admitted to deputies that she had hidden Leonard's body so she could collect his Social Security checks... Authorities are investigating how Leonard died. Haney has been charged with abuse of a human body and additional charges are pending. But don't worry, folks. I have no doubt that in the state of Florida, and I love you Floridians, and you all are very good. I do have some people who listen down there on a regular basis, and you all are very good sports uh, with putting up with me, just kind of having fun with things. But anyway, don't worry, folks. The abuse of a human body in the state of Florida is a misdemeanor. And that is that. Well, we're out of stories, um, so I guess we'll call it a day. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks again for joining us on the Miller Frost Show. Remember, you can always reach out to me. My email, miller at millerfrostonline.com. My Twitter handle is at Miller Frost Show. I try to tweet a lot. I'm getting there. I just I haven't been on Twitter but a couple months now, so I don't only have like a couple hundred tweets, but I'm getting there. I am still a Twitter neophyte. And you can also also see, uh, I'll be putting clips up here and there on my new YouTube page, which only has two clips. But you can listen to Bud Light Mike if you want to. But hopefully we will see you back here on, on Wednesday. But if not, we will definitely be back here next Sunday. In the meantime, have a great start to your week. And we will see you soon. Take care. Yes.